everyone, Shirley here. I help my clients, which are all in the GovCon space, scale their businesses. I focus on business development and strategy. One of the tools I use to access and analyze market data to inform strategy is EasyGov Ops. That's what we're talking about today. What data you should be looking at, where to find it, and how to analyze it from a strategic perspective. I'm very excited today to talk to Abby Sides, the primary account manager at EasyGov Ops, about some of the lesser known but extremely important features of the EasyGov Ops software that can help companies peer into the future, focus business development activities, and shape upcoming federal procurements. Welcome, Abby. Thank you, Shirley. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, it's a pleasure to have you, Abby. For those who might not be familiar, please tell us a little about EasyGovOps. Sure thing. So EasyGovOps, Shirley, is a federal procurement and business development platform that helps GovCons identify new and forecasted opportunities uh, while also allowing the users to save and track these opportunities of interest and receive insights from our in-house analyst team. We also have several searchable databases to allow our users to perform various types of market research and identify buyers, other vendors, contract vehicles, and uh, much more. Awesome. I want to clarify as we get started here that this is not a training session. We're going to be discussing at a very high level this data aggregation system that helps with executive decision making. I've been using EasyGovOps over the last five years and love what it enables me to do as a consultant. So today, we're going to be talking about some of those great features that many users may not be aware of and how to use them strategically to position your company in the federal marketplace. Let's start with the dashboard, Abby. First, describe the purpose of the dashboard and the capabilities that are least used. Absolutely, Shirley. So the dashboard is where our users spend most of their time. Uh, it is a one-stop shop for matched opportunities, both current and also forecasted. So any new matched opportunities sent via an email alert are also presented then on the solicitation dashboard. The solicitation dashboard only reveals active opportunities, but they can be at any stage, such as the sources sought, request for information, or pre-solicitation stage, for example. But an underutilized feature of the dashboard is the pre-forecasted RFP dashboard, which is a secondary tab that automatically alerts our users of upcoming expiring contracts that match their capabilities. And this allows users to get ahead of the curve before a new source of thought RFI notice is even issued. You're absolutely right, Abby. A best practice in the industry is to not wait for a sources sought or an RFI to be issued before beginning the sales process. Monitoring contracts that are expiring and that may be recompeted in the future, and I suggest looking at contracts that expire at least over the next two years, perhaps three, is a good way to get a feel for upcoming opportunities and to begin your own research and early stage business development processes to qualify those future opportunities. Therefore, market research is critically important. Yes, we all know market research is essential for creating a roadmap to success. 
So users can dive into our contract, solicitation, and award databases to discover who the primary agencies are that are purchasing their service or products, what contracts are ending soon, how much has been obligated per socioeconomic or set-aside status, uh, what has been procured open market versus on a contract vehicle, who are the primes versus subcontractors, and more. This market research helps determine strategy and also establish a pipeline moving forward. I want to parse what you just said, Abby, and talk about how to look at this data strategically. So let's say that you've developed some search agents to look at expiring contracts over the next few years using your keywords, your NAICS codes, target agencies, and geographic region. This will return results that support your current business model. It will give you an idea of the opportunities, contract vehicles, and acquisition strategies in your target agencies and your competitors or potential partners who are the incumbents on those current contracts. But if you want to widen the aperture and find work that is adjacent to your current capabilities that you could possibly expand into and approach agencies where you currently don't have a presence, your search criteria naturally changes. And the lens through which you analyze that data also changes. Now you are asking, what's going on in those agencies? How might your products and services compare and compete in those procurement ecosystems? You're asking more strategic questions to determine the risk and rewards of deviating from your current business model. Abby, I want to go back to the market research question. How can EasyGov users easily find this data? Yes. EasyGovOps taps into a plethora of sources to create comprehensive, actionable data. By entering the search module, users can input their unique criteria and or needs as filters to find this data quickly and easily. Remember, you can search amongst contract data, company data, solicitation data, contact data, and more. When you run these queries, you will have charts and maps and analytics to accompany the data. These help paint the picture of what the data is actually presenting. So without easy GovOps, a GovCon would have to essentially become their own researcher with scouring many different sources and spending hours and hours to find this desired data rather than what might be a simple five-click journey in easy GovOps. I want to emphasize here that easy GovOps puts an enormous amount of data at your fingertips. As an industry best practice, companies that are successful in the very complex federal marketplace know how to ask for the right information, then have disciplined thought processes on how to analyze and take action on that data. They understand the picture that is being painted by the data, and they use it for a strategic advantage. So, for example, many small GovCons don't gather or understand the importance of gathering intel on their competitors. I had one small business owner tell me that he just puts his best foot forward in proposals and doesn't worry about what others are doing. Now, while that may seem like a reasonable philosophy, it is a death knell in government contracting because everything is relative. Your proposal is being evaluated against the proposals of others. 
it is critical that you are able to distinguish your offerings compared to the competition. What do you do that is better than the competition at solving the government's problems? You also need to understand the government's acquisition strategy for the specific procurement. Is it a set-aside? Has the agency met or exceeded their set-aside goals? Does the incumbent still qualify for a set-aside? Which contract vehicles have or will the agency use upon recompete? Which subcontractors have been used to perform some of this work? Abby, tell us a little about this type of information that is available on government contractors. Yes, we have extensive vendor analysis as we have over 1.9 million GovCon summary pages. You can view Intel, such as their revenue, prime versus subcontract obligations, business types and socioeconomic statuses, and how much they are winning per those socioeconomic statuses or set-asides, who their primary buyers are, how much they are being obligated per various NAICs, and what contract vehicles they're on, even down to the SIN level if on a GSA schedule. Um, also, we have contract information for any company of interest. You can even view all of their contracts down to a task order level. So, Abby, can this data be sorted by agency and by master contract? Absolutely, Shirley. You can sort by agency or sub-agency as well as the master contract. For the filtering schemes out there, you can also export your data into a CSV file for any custom filtering actions. I love that feature. I use it all the time. Is there a quick and easy way to see capability statements and websites of potential competitors? And can I issue a FOIA, Freedom of Information Act request, easily from within EasyGovOps to get information on the incumbent that might not be public? Great question. So our company's module is robust, as I shared earlier, with vendor information, including capability statements when provided, when they register in SAM.gov, as well as all website links. We also allow our users to submit FOIA requests as we know some information, as you just shared, Shirley, is not public. For example, a user may have a need to view an incumbent's winning proposal, or maybe a competitor holds a sole source contract and you would like to request additional information to reveal the statement of work and other specifications. Although FOIA requests can take quite a long time, a year to return, Having complete competitor analysis is extremely, extremely valuable. Yes, it is. An essential process that government contractors must go through is to organize, sort, and document actions on specific public records. We talked about setting up search agents and the importance of analyzing that data. In EasyGov Ops, this is where the file cabinet comes into play. Abby, explain a little bit about how the file cabinet works. Sure. So the file cabinet is one of the most critical modules in the EasyGovOps system, as it is the primary mechanism for archiving and also tracking opportunities of interest. In the file cabinet, you can store opportunities so that you are notified of modifications and announcements regarding those opportunities. When you place an item here, 
it flags the EasyGovOps system and our research team that there is interest in that given opportunity. This is how that we ensure, one, research is performed on that opportunity by our team, and two, that you begin receiving email alerts for response date changes, notice type changes, solicitation number changes, new supporting documents such as um, amendments or Q&A docs, and also award announcements. You can also add vendors, for example, teaming partners or competitors, and also add contracting officers to your file cabinet as well. We urge all users to place anything of interest into your file cabinet to ensure that it is one, not lost, and it is two, that you stay up to date on any new activity regarding your tracked items. That research is critically important for items that are in your pipeline. But the file cabinet can also be used to organize, analyze, comment on, and tag longer-term unqualified opportunities and contract vehicles that may inform strategy. I advise my clients to assign contract vehicle, acquisition strategy, and agency tags to each of the contract records for easy sorting. So, for example, if you are looking for all of the records in your file cabinet from the USDA that are small business set-asides under an agency-specific BPA, you can easily sort by those tags. Standard features in the file cabinet allow you to sort by date, incumbent, priority, and other keywords. But the tags give you a visual representation of these important categories. Abby, what are some of the additional ways in which data in the file cabinet can be sorted? Over time, a user's file cabinet can compound with many, many opportunities. It is important to keep an orderly structure in the file cabinet. And for example, some users create folders by stages, such as capture, bid, no bid, proposal development, proposal submitted, etc. Custom tags can also be used as well to mark tasks, such as find a teaming partner, reach out to contracting officer. This way, you can even sort by tasks. Additionally, it is equally important to note comments on opportunities of interest so you can keep a record of key dates, correspondences, submissions, contacts, etc. This can also be done within the file cabinet. I love the comment feature associated with records. As I am discussing and analyzing contract records, sometimes in collaboration with my client, we document our thoughts, musings, and action items. The comment feature is designed like a journal so we can see how our thoughts and analyses change over time. We need to take a break. I'm talking to Abby Sides with EasyGov Ops. When we come back, we'll talk about interpreting public data. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Shirley Colliger, President and Founder of Scale to Market, is your host for this Growth Masters Federal presentation. Scale to Market helps businesses think, plan, collaborate, and build market value by developing and executing customized, data-driven business development playbooks, building efficient information systems, and creating high-performing BD teams. Utilizing the proprietary Davy Business Development Growth Framework, Scale to Market partners with business owners and executives to increase their company's value by achieving profitable and sustainable growth in the federal marketplace. 
Email Shirley at scollier at scaletomarket.com to learn more about the Davy Growth Framework and how it can be instrumental in helping grow your federal contracting business. Back now to Shirley's conversation with Abby Sides, Primary Account Manager at EasyGovOps, as they discuss important, often overlooked features of the software that help companies grow their business. Welcome back. Before the break, we were talking about the file cabinet. Now let's talk about interpreting public data. Abby, this is one of the most challenging responsibilities we have. Let's look at a few of those data elements. When looking at a contract record, there is sometimes a solicitation number, and if the record is a task order, there is an IDV number. Explain the importance of those. Absolutely, Shirley. When looking at contract data, you should get excited, very excited, when you see a solicitation number as this indicates a solicitation was released publicly and you will have access in EasyGovOps to the original notice and supporting documents, which may include the performance work statement and statement of work. This is so valuable because what is reported in the description requirement for contracts is typically quite terse and usually does not share all the requirements for a given contract. When you are looking at a task order, meaning there is a larger mother contract, and you are looking at one of the task orders under it, you may see an IDV number. This number refers to the main contract, which may have additional task orders underneath it. This indicates that you are looking at a contract award on a vehicle such as a GWAC, BPA, or IDIQ. I want to clarify, if you're searching for contracts that are expiring and that may be recompeted, the contract record may contain a solicitation number, not always. You want to perform additional research on the solicitation that resulted in that contract award. And as Abby said, you can find more details on the government requirements, including the statement of work in PWS in the solicitation records. You may also find additional contracting office contact information, as well as interested vendors list with the initial solicitation. Is this correct, Abby? Anything that you would add? That is exactly correct, Shirley. There is something else that may be worth noting. When you have access to the original solicitation data, you will have access to the associated contracting officer's procurement history. I always advise my clients to look through their history as you can become familiar with who they've awarded to in the past, if they have managed other procurements in your vertical or services, and how they typically release their opportunities. For example, you may find some contracting officers issue a lot of sole source awards versus competitive awards. If you know this contracting officer does a lot of sole sourcing, you may want to reach out to them early to see if you also qualify for those sole source awards, knowing that they sometimes do not release things competitively. And the reason that this is important from a strategic perspective is that the more information you gather and the sooner you gather the information about future procurements, the more data you have to help you qualify the opportunity and to shape it legally and ethically by contacting the agency, including the contracting offices and programs and potential teaming partners. 
Abby, the last topic I want to discuss today is contract vehicles. As you know, the government has moved to a category management model where procurements are consolidated under master contracts, GWACs, IDIQs, and BPAs. If you don't have a prime spot on that contract vehicle, you are prohibited from seeing the task orders being issued and you're ineligible to bid on those task orders. Explain how your system works relative to data on these contract vehicles. Well said, Shirley. Yes, only approved vendors under contract vehicles are privy to bid on those issued task orders. In fact, only the approved vendors are given access to the portals where the task orders are issued, such as EGOS and eBuy. Therefore, we do not post the task order solicitations and RFPs for contract vehicles to abide by the government's terms. However, we do have a task order database that allows users to search granularly within thousands of GWACs, GSA schedules, and high-profile IDIQs, as well as BPAs for task orders that have been awarded. This database is great for forecasting as users can query what task orders are ending within their desired time frame in combination with any other filters. GovCons can utilize this database for understanding what is being performed, how much is being obligated, who is winning the lion's share of those task orders, and what agencies are spending the most. Excellent. Understanding, strategizing on, and getting a position on a master contract vehicle is a constant thorn in the side of small GovCons. And while I understand the government's perspective on efficiencies related to category management, it stifles competition and inhibits the growth of small businesses, except those who have prime positions on those contract vehicles. And sometimes the on-ramps for new prime contractors can be five to ten years down the road. I know that the GSA is aware of these issues and Congress has been debating new regulations, but until the current contract structures change, it is incumbent upon small contractors to carefully study contract vehicles that may be strategic for them and devise action plans for winning a prime position on the contract vehicle when a new solicitation opens up or to jump on teams of existing prime contractors. And how to do that is a topic for a whole other podcast. (laughs) As we wrap up our discussion, I want to emphasize that in addition to finding legitimate, accurate information about the government's past and future procurements, most government contractors struggle with analyzing, understanding, and developing strategies from that data. I help companies paint a picture with the data. Should you pursue that opportunity? If so, what will it take to win? With whom should you team? And will you be able to make money? This is where careful thinking and consistent decision-making positions government contractors for success. Some of the tools I use are decision matrices, checklists, pipeline meeting agendas, performance milestones, and financial incentives that encourage disciplined thoughts and disciplined actions. Another critical tool is a data aggregation system like EasyGovOps that can be extraordinarily helpful so that you can think, plan, organize, and execute early on your business development strategies. 
Abby, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge about EasyGovOps with our audience today. Thank you so much, Shirley. It's been my pleasure. Folks, if you would like to get in touch with Abby, she can be reached at asides at easygovops.com, and that's A-S-I-D-E-S, or you can reach out to us here at Scale to Market, and we'll make sure you're connected. This is Shirley Collier, president of Scale to Market and host of the Growth Masters Federal Podcast, signing off for now. As we close, I want to thank you for joining us today and encourage you to connect with me on LinkedIn and visit our website, that's scaletomarket.com with the number two in the middle, where you will find our library of podcasts, webcasts, white papers, my blog, and other links and resources. While there, please leave us a comment or suggestion so we can stay focused on what's important to you. We'll see you next time.